Well, brethren, I'm delighted to see you all here this morning. I looked and I said, you know, there's a lot of people missing here this morning. And then my thought immediately flashed to 20 years ago when I first came here. This morning, with few of you here, there are at least three times more people than were here when I came. <laughs> so, so we're a mega church here this morning. <laughs> Compared to what we were. <laughs> I thank God for his mercies, brethren. I'm thankful that we can still uh, join together freely. While knowing full well many of our brothers and sisters around this globe are meeting in secret. Meeting in private. Meeting in fear for their lives. And such has been the case for the Lord's people throughout the history of his church. Let us be in prayer, not only for them, but for us. Paul commands us in Timothy to pray for them that are in authority. Kings and all the rest. Though may we be found praying for them that we might be able to live godly lives in peace. <clears throat> that being said... I don't think I need to mention anything about what to do with our children. You all know, and you know where our rooms are for them. You can turn in your, your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20. We're going to read uh, something of a lengthy passage Again today, and uh, as we work through the message, uh, I trust all of you will find that our first few sermons have laid the groundwork for you to begin to understand the importance of this particular passage. It's very easy to take a passage anywhere in the scripture and not preach it in its context. And very often, when we're preaching from the New Testament, <clears throat> it's rooted directly in the Old Testament Scriptures. So I hope we begin to get something of the sense of that with these last few messages. All of this will ultimately bring us to our text and we will be again, God willing, next week to look with some detail and care at the work and then the qualifications of an elder. <clears throat> so if you would please stand with me. We're going to read the living word of God. George Whitfield was preaching. He was known for his power and his energy as a preacher. While he was preaching, a man had heard about him and came to hear him. And as he sat in the congregation, uh, it started off a little slowly. He wasn't impressed with him at all. Not only that, an older man up in the front had gone soundly to sleep. Whitfield 
stamped his foot and hit the pulpit so loud. The man woke up. He said, you can sleep. I'm paraphrasing. You can sleep on me, but not on the word of God. I am here to read and preach the word of God. This is not the place to sleep. So may God come to us without any pulpit pounding this morning. And may our hearts and minds be lifted to think of the glories and the privilege of hearing the living word of God. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. God's word preserved is before us. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves Enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. 
Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore. And fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake. That they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him under the ship. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing. To the reading of his word, let us remain standing in the presence of our Holy Father. <clears throat> o thou who changest not, abide with us. Heaven itself rings with the thunder, the glory, the sweetness, the beauty of the citizens in that place. The saints that have gone before us, the beasts and angels that shout thy praises. There aren't any hoarse voices there. There aren't any cracking vocal cords there. There's no off-key singing there. There's no mumbling of praise there. Every heart is as engaged as a created being can be. And thy holy worship is pure. It's clean. It's heartfelt. It is undistracted. Father, wouldst thou help us in our weak state to be undistracted in thy worship this morning? I thank thee for the joyful singing. I thank thee for the prayers read. I thank thee for the sober and careful reading of thy word. Now, Lord... This vessel of dust needs thee. And thy sheep need thy spirit that they might feed upon thee. We don't need a dry, lifeless, cold lecture. We want burning light from heaven, fiery love in our souls, earnest hearing of thy word, and joyful 
intense praise from our lips. There are lost ones in our midst. O giver of life, wouldst thou come by that life-giving spirit, that creating spirit, wouldst thou shine the light of Christ in the darkness of every lost heart? And O Christ, wouldst thou come into thy garden and love thy bride. Take us, as it were, into thy banqueting house. Let thy banner of love fly over us. May we say, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Draw near, O precious God. Let us see what glory of the Lamb that thou wilt let us see in this world. Let us know the sweetness, the fragrance of our Lord with us. For thy saints, that are grieved, bring them the joy of thy spirit. For thy saints, that are feeling their weakness, draw near and fill them with thy strength. For those that are joyful and delighted, I trust that their hymns and psalms have rolled from their lips with joy and heart engagement. And may we all know that our God hath been with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. We have just read Luke's spirit-breathed, infallible words. The good doctor faithfully recorded Paul's farewell exhortation to the elders 
of the Ephesian church. The scene is profoundly beautiful. Deeply moving. And spiritually instructive. In Paul's exhortation, we glimpse the work of faithful shepherds that Jeremiah promised. Shepherds according to God's heart. Paul focuses on feeding Christ's blood-bought sheep. And that is the subject of our message today. This message is entitled, The Faithful or Faithful Shepherds Preach God's Word. Faithful shepherds feed God's flock. <clears throat> so may our most loving and gracious Heavenly Father draw near to us as we draw near to Him. May Christ Jesus, the Good Shepherd, feed us with knowledge and understanding. And may the Holy Spirit satisfy our longing souls and let us drink the wine of joy to refresh our spirits. Our first major heading is the same as last week. Paul commanded the Ephesian elders using shepherd imagery. Shepherd imagery appears throughout the Old Testament. We learned last time that Abel was the first shepherd at the beginning of human history. From that point forward, shepherds and shepherd imagery fill the Old Testament scriptures. We also learned that the term shepherd was applied to religious and civil leaders. Prophets, priests, princes, kings. From this we discovered that a shepherd's work is both rule and care. This helps us understand a pastor's work. Leading, feeding, and protecting God's sheep. Of course, the greatest shepherd of the Old Testament is God himself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Again, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Note the words, feed. God shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Again, I remind you, that's the idea behind the very word pastor. It is pasturing people. It is taking them and feeding them. He shall gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Further study of shepherd imagery yields this important insight. Psalm 77 verse 20 says, Thou ledest thy people 
like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let me read that again. Listen carefully. Very simple. But the shepherd imagery is vital and what we find at the end of the verse is significant for our entire study. Thou, God, ledest thy people like a flock. This is the imagery. God with his people. The presence of the shepherd. He leads them like a flock. He knows what they need. He knows how to feed them. He knows how to cause them to rest. He knows how to use the crook and the rod to get them to straighten out. He knows how to lead them from the front. And he knows how to get behind them and drive them from the back. He leads the people like a flock. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now God the shepherd guides his dearly loved sheep by frail human under shepherds. Under shepherds that are God's authoritative representatives. Now what makes them authoritative? If we remember Korah's complaint. You, t- you take too much on yourself. Moses went to God and said, you heard him. Moses didn't take the authority. Moses was assigned the authority. You need to understand this. A real pastor is assigned by God. He's not there for the vacation package. He is there because he can't live without preaching. For God has filled his heart to do so. As I heard a very wise man once say, if you can do anything other than preach, don't preach. Just go do that other thing. God chooses, authorizes, gives them his word and sends them. That's what makes any man authoritative. Let me repeat that. What made Moses authoritative, Aaron, or any of the rest, even today, as far as elders, pastors, bishops go, God chooses, God authorizes, God gives them his word, and God sends them. I repeat, that makes them authoritative. It is nothing within themselves naturally. Nothing. They administer and model God's word by God's authority. The word of God was central to Moses in all his roles, especially as shepherd and prophet. Moses had no authority in himself. 
But God appointed him. God authorized him. God gave him his word and God sent him. That's why Israel should listen to him. Not because there's anything in his flesh that's special. So Moses was God's representative leader for his people. We must take note. Now listen carefully. If you're drifting, uh, you want to come back to the dock right now. If the boat of your mind is beginning to slip away from the dock, you need to get back to the dock. We need to take note. The scriptures do not hide the fact that Moses, Aaron, David, Solomon, and all of the other leaders that he appoints were not perfect leaders. The scriptures expose that they are faulty men, but that does not diminish their authority because it's God's authority. They were God's appointed shepherds. Wicked as Saul was, David would not lay a hand on him because that's God's anointed. God rebuked and disciplined Israel when they criticized or rejected his imperfect under-shepherds. All of us must understand that we will always live under imperfect human authorities in this world. I mean, you need to tuck that away. There is no human authority anywhere on this planet that is perfect. There is not one perfect father in here. Not one. And I'm sure I could line up the children and say, tell me about the bad days. Hmm. Right? And we'd hear about it, maybe, if, if they were protected. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is that there's not one mother, not one police, mayor, governors, senators, congressmen, president, judges, or pastors that are perfect. Never. But God has authorized them. And we must take that seriously. The Roman centurion got it. He said, look, I'm a man under authority. I understand it. I tell this one to go, he goes. I tell him not to go, he doesn't go. Why did he think he could do that? Because all the power of Rome stood behind that centurion. It is the same with every God-appointed authority. Fathers, when you rule in your house according to God's word, all the power of heaven is behind you, regardless of whether the natives like it or not. Now, it's not there for your abuse. It's the same with mothers. 
He commanded at the beginning of Proverbs. Obey the law of your father and your mother. These are God-ordained authorities. The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. There aren't any perfect authorities. But that does not change God's authority one bit. Are you listening? Authority is something that we all need to take into very real consideration because of the warnings of Scripture itself. We will never live in this world under perfect authorities except for the one seated at the Father's right hand. We do live under a king who is absolutely perfect and we can look to him every day and he will never fail. He will never have a bad day. He will, he will never get up. He won't get up tomorrow on the wrong side of the, of the throne, so to speak, and say, I've, man, I don't feel well today. I'm torching Pensacola. That's not going to happen. That will never happen. <clears throat> if he destroys this place, it will be because of his judgment upon its wickedness. Authority is a right and a good thing. But it must be handled. It's one of the quickest ways to corrupt any human being. It can be nice, sweet people, and you give them authority, and all of a sudden they become monsters, tyrants, dictators. And one of the great problems is, if you exercise the authority God has given you, people will think of you that way. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So, we will now see that Christ, the apostles, and the elders of Christ's churches fulfill the shepherd and sheep imagery of the Old Testament and Jeremiah's promise of shepherds according to God's heart. <clears throat> Shepherd imagery appears throughout the New Testament, not only the Old. We should not be surprised that in the Old Testament, God relates to his people like a shepherd relates to his sheep because that is fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. All of these things that God manifests in the Old Testament are pointing, he's coming, he's coming. The one that's going to crush the serpent's head, he's coming. It's all saying that one way or the other. And that's one of the reasons Jesus proclaimed in John 10, 11 through 16, I am the good shepherd. He's not simply saying, I'm one shepherd among other shepherds. That's true at one level, but he's not talking about real fleecy sheep. He's talking about his people. I have come to rule them and I have come to care for them. The two are inseparable. As much as many theologians in our day are trying to. You can have Jesus as your Savior. And you can let him be your Lord later on. That is false doctrine. It is a direct attack upon the one they say. Loved us and died for us. 
Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We see a little bit of something about the shepherd's work. Again, in the Old Testament, we could see David. Jacob could even complain to Laban, look, this is a strong paraphrase, but he said, look, I've, I've watched your, your flocks. Man, I have, my sleep has left. I've stayed up in the cold. Why is he saying all that? He says, this is hard work. And I've done it for you and for your sheep. Shepherding is hard work. Real shepherding. It's not a game. Physically or spiritually. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. What a glorious shepherd. They hear my voice. You know, one of the saddest things on the planet, at least in my experience, is when you know and you love somebody and they quit talking to you. All of a sudden, they're not around. They're not speaking to you. We want to hear them, right? When I was on the road years and years ago, I would want to pick up the phone and hear my wife's voice. How ridiculous for somebody who was gone 260 days a year not to want to talk to his wife, right? Talking, communication is an expression of love. It's not the only expression of talking. But people that don't communicate are usually in the counselor's office, right? Communication is a vital part of expressing love. And that doesn't even mean that one always has to be using the word love. But just, how are you? How are you doing? When that disappears, it's painful. It never happens with Jesus. The good shepherd always cares for his sheep. We know him And his voice comes to us. He says, I know them and they follow me. I've been in churches where I've walked in, didn't know anybody. And nobody said a word. Hi, how are you? Who are you? (laughs) I never liked that, personally. I don't know about you. Maybe it's like you're one of those people that likes to come in, hide in the back, and then run out. But that, that's not me. To be ignored, to be a non-person among persons is a painful thing. That sends people to counselors, too. They'll pay big money about that. Right? But it's not that way with Christ. Christ giving us a word. For every single day of our lives. I know them. They follow me. How do we know the real sheep? Wherever Christ is, they're they're following him. Whatever he's doing, they're following him. 
they follow him. <clears throat> Men want followers. They want a crowd. They want a fan club. People can do it without using the word. I just got my little five people that I meet with in the church all the time, and we're just kind of mutual admiration society. That's not biblical. God's people follow Christ, and God's people love the other sheep. <clears throat> now, Jesus said, they hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, I give unto them eternal life. What a glorious group of words. I give them eternal life. I can't give anybody eternal life, I can tell you where to get it. But I can't give it to you. Very often that's what people think about pastors. Somehow or another they've got something magical about them. They don't. But they can do this. You need to get to Christ. You need to get to Christ as quickly as possible. He's here. He's here this morning. He's in every single true congregation. He's here. He's within his people. You're in union with him. He's here. And yet some of you will still ignore him. Oh, come to Christ. He's a great shepherd. He's a wonderful shepherd. Well, <clears throat> we learned from that passage uh, last time that number one, good shepherds know their sheep. Number two, good shepherds sacrifice themselves for the well-being of the sheep. And number three, good shepherds communicate with the sheep. Well, <clears throat> How do they hear the, uh, the, the shepherd's voice? How do the sheep hear Christ? Paul answers it this way. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? Listen. Except they be sent. Except they be sent. Not just anybody that walks out on a street with a Bible is necessarily a preacher from God. He follows it up by saying, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We have it. It's right here in front of us. To my shame, I don't thank God every day for His Word. If all my Bibles were taken and burned, I'd be crying out to God every day for His Word. We take it for granted. Jesus is still speaking. It's all right here. You can hear Him today. Sit down, take His Word, read it. Pray about it. Believe it. Apply it to your life. Shepherd still, shepherding. <clears throat> so God sends representatives to deliver his authoritative word to the world and especially to his people. Jesus said, for I have not spoken of myself, but the father, listen, which sent 
me. Jesus didn't just take it on himself. He was sent. Listen, he gave me a commandment. What I should say and what I should speak. This is God incarnate. And he's saying, I didn't come down to just talk. I didn't just come down to tell you what I think. He said, I came down to say whatever my father gives me to say. Jesus was authoritative. Jesus was chosen by God. Jesus was authorized by God. Jesus gave him the word as it was. And God the Father sent him into this world. He repeats that over and over. Especially in John's gospel. Him that sent me. Him that sent me. Him that sent me. Jesus said. I have not spoken of myself. That's astounding. He began his public ministry this way. Jesus came into Galilee. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And saying. Wait a minute. What's happening? An audio experience. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is Speaking. God is speaking to us. What mercy. With the way we have acted. And even as believers. He would have reason to say. I'm not talking to these people. They're ignoring my word. They're not praying. What's the matter? Eh, well I'll go, I'll, I'll go work on somebody else. <laughs> he'd, every, he'd have every right to do that. But he won't. Because he's committed to us. Because he loves us. Because he's got a work to do. That work is through his son. The Lord Jesus Christ who's a shepherd. And that shepherd came into this world. Born of a virgin. Made under the law. And he began a public ministry at 30 years old. And the very first thing he did was he spoke to us. He spoke. He preached God's word. As we've seen. He already said. I don't say anything the Lord hadn't. Uh, my father hasn't, hasn't given me. So what did he say? Well, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. That does very little to us, which is a shame. But to the Jews, it was immediate. Wait, flags up. (laughs) Uh, The kingdom's come. Uh, where's, Where's the flaming king? They weren't expecting Jesus. But he came and he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Isn't that great? This is an announcement from heaven for the pardon of our sins. God in his mercy began by saying, by the way, the rulers here, the king has appeared. The kingdom is drawn near to you. Why? Because the king was there. It's not something he's just talking about. He's the king of the kingdom. There aren't any kingdoms without the king. And the first thing out of his mouth is, I'm here to give you the life you've always wanted. No, that isn't what he said. 
He said, repent and believe the gospel. Believe the evangel. Believe that report from heaven that talks about the pardon of sin and restoration to God and a hope for glory and heaven. That's how he started. And you know what? There weren't many, but the sheep heard him and they followed him. It's still happening. Now, we also read of him that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, teaching and preaching. What's he doing? He's speaking. He's audibly speaking. He's vocalizing ideas. What are they? Well, the very thing that, that are mentioned here, the glories of the kingdom, repenting, believing the good news, believing him. God speaking to us. He went everywhere. Speaking. Preaching. Teaching. Instructing the ignorant. I don't say this to be ugly. Many of us don't seem to grasp. That the reason we're taught. Is because we're ignorant. As I've said before, you live in the South, ignorance, fighting words. He is ignorant. And it's generally just an insult. But ignorant is actually a very good word, very important. Uh, you don't you don't want me to do brain surgery on you, heart surgery. You probably don't even want me to dig a splinter out of your finger. I'm ignorant of those things. It doesn't mean I'm always stupid, though there are days when I feel like that. But I'm saying to you something very clear. Jesus spoke. You're hearing him or you're ignoring him. You're being instructed by Jesus or you are still in your ignorance that will destroy you. Hear him. God the Father Opened up heaven and said, this is my son. What did he say? Oh, I, I just think he's great. No, he said, hear him. Hear him. After his glorious death and resurrection, Jesus said to his apostles, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. As the father hath sent me. This was an authoritative sending. Now, I don't know if this ever happened in your house. It certainly did in mine. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, we would be sitting in the house. It was dinner time. We would say to our daughter, uh, go tell your brother to come in. And he'd be out playing uh, furiously. And she would go out and say, you need to come into the house. And he would say, who says? Maybe you've been in an experience kind of like that. Maybe you've even done it. Who says? And she would say, dad says. He'd come right in. Because he knew 
what would happen if he didn't? He understood representative authority. Do we get that? <laughs> Every authority in this world is a representative of the living God. And we use that authority for good or we use it for evil. Right? Pretty sober. But now this is exactly what we need to grasp. Jesus, who has been sent authoritatively, he's been sent by the Father into this world. He says, now even so, I send you. I'm sending you. Behind everyone chosen and authorized by God, who's been sent by God, is the authority. No matter how feeble that vessel is. In fact, let me put it to you this way. The authorized representative of an authority has delegated but real authority. It's not something in and of himself. I'll repeat that. The authorized representative of an authority has delegated but real authority. So on a mountain in Galilee, the risen Christ declared all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. My mind is so small. I can't grasp the bigness of that statement. All authority that there is. Just go out tonight and stare up at the sky. Go to, go to any of the scientists that have these gigantic telescopes and say, where's the seam on the heavens? They don't know. They don't know where it ends. All authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. Standing on a mountain talking to a group of men, <laughs> they're still having trouble believing what they're seeing. He's risen from the dead. It says, but some doubted. And he says, all, po all power, all authority, it's mine. Now listen, what does he do with that authority? <clears throat> By the authority given to him, Jesus then commanded, commanded Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, <clears throat> the man who's been crucified is a criminal who looked like a failure, is saying, I am the king of the universe. And now, based on that, go into the whole world. I don't care what people's religions are. I don't care how long those religions have been around. I don't care how much they love the books of their religion. Go tell them who I am and tell them to follow me. And you get that? <laughs> I could gather a few people and say, all right, now, 
I want you to do what I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> that won't last long. But Christ could. And Christ sends authorities. He's authorized them. That's why we're even to bow to our government, even when it's wicked, until they tell us to disobey our king. So Jesus says, I want you to go and teach them. Why teach them? Because they're ignorant. They don't know God and they don't know God's ways. They don't know the way of salvation. Go and tell them. Bring them the good news. Spread out all across the world and tell them the great news that there is reconciliation with God. There is pardon of sin by repentance and faith in me, says Jesus. Crucified, resurrected, I have conquered. The Father has put all things under me except for him. Are we moved by this? Is this, I mean, does, does this, does this uh, say anything to us? Do we, uh -uh. most of us sit and talk about our authorities like, hmm, conservative talk show hosts, insulting, hateful, name calling. Uh -uh. The book of Jude tells us about those who don't respect authority. They're wicked. Jesus, the good shepherd, has told them, I am with you all the way to the end of the world. That's encouraging because he has all authority. He has all power. And he's always with them. What does that tell you about the good shepherd? He loves his sheep. He wants his sheep. He wants to be with his sheep. He wants them fed. He wants them rested. He wants them encouraged. He wants them protected. But he takes weak and feeble human beings and assigns them that work. Now, anybody that still has functioning brain cells has to realize how frightening that is. It's not something you just say, hmm, think I'll give that a try. Long time ago, I, I heard someone say, oh, I've done a lot of things in church. And I've, you know, I've done this and I've taught Sunday school and I've been a deacon or whatever. And now I'd like to try to be a pastor. You know, and I thought, hmm, really? <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not something you try. Like, well, let's see. You know, I've been on a work gang for a long time. <laughs> you know, and I've broken up roads and I've built some buildings and I've done this and that. Now I'd like to try mm, brain surgery. <clears throat> now, you don't try those things. These are things done by the living God, the great shepherd, through those that he appoints. And he's always going to choose a sinful person. <laughs> he's going to choose an imperfect person. Now, <clears throat> Jesus would later say uh, to his apostles, 
these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. Boy, is that crucial. The promise, the promise of Jeremiah is that he would give pastors that were according to God's heart and they would feed the flock with knowledge and understanding. Ah, that's what the great shepherd is doing here. And he wants that reproduced. He wants that reproduced. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand what? The scriptures, the word, what God has spoken. And said unto them, thus it is written, and he quotes the scriptures. It's written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer. In other words, it was fitting. It was exactly what should have happened. It had to happen. Why? It was written in the scriptures. He said, you guys haven't figured this out yet, but this is precisely what was to happen. It wasn't a failure. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a bump in the road. I was to go to the cross because it was there that I would win full and free salvation for all my sheep. He goes on to say, Behold Christ to die, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance, oh, that word that so many theologians today would like to throw out of the gospel call, it's right here. The shepherd himself is saying, go tell them to repent. That's how I started my ministry. That's how I'm ending my earthly ministry. But... As I ascend into glory, I'm sending you to do what I did. Go tell them to repent and believe. There's a transfer. Do you see it? It goes to the apostles. What Christ has come to do. Now, he's already died for the sins of his people. The the fleshly shepherds that would follow can't die for the sins of, of, of God's people, but they can die in the service to God's people. I stood right down here listening to Lee Shelton Jr., who has gone on to be with the Lord. And his father's casket and body was laid out here. For those of you that were here, there weren't many that are here today that were here at that funeral. And he said, my dad was always about what was happening with God's people. And he said, you know, the doctor says, well, he died of pneumonia. He said, there's a truth there. He said, but the fact is, all the parts just wore out. That's what happens to shepherds. It isn't, well, I've reached this age and now I'm just going to cruise the rest of my life. Not if you have a heart for God's people. <clears throat> You're going to try to find any and every way that you can to encourage or even to spread the gospel 
even from a wheelchair. Let me tell you what, when Errol Hulse had a stroke and was put in a nursing home, every week he would gather wheelchairs for prayer. That's a shepherd. Doesn't matter if it's cold. Doesn't matter if it's too hot. Doesn't matter if you haven't had any sleep for a few days. It doesn't matter if you're not rested as much as you'd like to be. You've got work to do. Jesus said, go preach repentance and remission to the apostles. And that's what they were given to do. And that brings the apostles as shepherds. Before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied his Lord three times. But after Christ rose from the dead, he restored Peter, saying, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, three times. And on the day of Pentecost, what do we see? We see Peter, the former coward, now filled with the Spirit, obeying Christ's command. Christ had given him knowledge and understanding. Now he fed his fellow Jews knowledge and understanding. When the people thought that he and the other disciples were all drunk, Peter replied, This that you're hearing is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He goes right to the scriptures. You see it? He goes right to the scriptures. Why? Because now he has a knowledge and understanding. And he knows what's happening. This is what Joel was talking about. That came by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is that. <laughs> I love that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He now understood the scriptures. He continued, ye men of Israel, hear these words, words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. He didn't understand that previously. What happened? God opened his mind. Jesus opened his understanding so that he could understand the scriptures and he realized about Christ and this is what was supposed to happen he's preaching the very thing that he did not understand shortly before he's preaching it at his own risk because Christ has commanded them to go and so he's preaching with all of his heart and he says being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God this is predestination as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by wicked hands you have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's preaching the very thing that he heard on the mountain. I've got all power. He says, I want you to know the one that you think is just a criminal is the king. He's the Lord. He is King Messiah. That's what he means by Christ. What's he doing? He's feeding sheep with knowledge and understanding. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? God cut their comfort and security right out from under them with the power of Peter wielding the sword of the Spirit. That was battle. He went right into the heart of darkness. People that had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, you did it. But God raised him up. There it is. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's what Jesus commanded him to preach in Luke 24. And there he is. Filled with the Spirit of God and speaking the words of Christ. Peter exercised the authority of Christ by the Spirit of Christ with the Word of Christ. Who was this? A coward that cowered before a couple of servant girls. You were with him. No, I was not. And he cursed. And now he's standing before all of them preaching in the authority of Jesus Christ. Because he's delivering what Jesus commanded to be preached. In other words, the apostles were extensions of Jesus' ministry. They were providers as Jesus the shepherd was. And they're the very agents by which Jesus is doing it. Remember Moses and Aaron? Moses and Aaron. Thou ledest thy people Israel like a flock by the hands of Moses and Aaron. Where did that apostolic work go? We've only got a few minutes left. Let me push a little faster. When Peter exercised the authority of Christ, he'd been sent by Christ. He was filled with the spirit of Christ. He came with the words of Christ and 3,000 sinners were converted to Christ. Praise the Lord. There would be no saved ones. There would be no salvation apart from, listen carefully, these words. We're not to change these words. The elders which are among you, I exhort. Peter wrote this later. Later in his life, he's writing his letter and, and he's writing to the elders. He says, the elders which are among you, I exhort. 
who am also an elder. Peter got it. He was a shepherd. He was an elder. He was a bishop. He knew that Jesus was a bishop. We'll look at those passages later. But those are all important matters. Peter knew that he had denied Jesus. But now he's being used of Jesus. Now, how many of us, just stop, think of your American way of thinking. I would never let that guy tell me anything. He denied Jesus. Right? He's just a weak vessel of dust like me. My opinion's as good as his. Hmm. The Lord said, no, listen to him and listen to the words that I've given him. And now Peter is saying that to other elders. He's saying to elders, I'm also an elder. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ and I'm a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. What did Peter then command those elders? What did he command them? Feed the flock of God which is among you. Oh, those words should sound familiar. They're what Peter, uh, they're what Paul told the Ephesian elders. Feed the flock. In other words, God has sheep. They're his elect. Where do you find them? In his churches. Well, how did they hear Jesus? From the preaching of the word by those authorized to do so. Now, can anybody get up and read the word and the Lord save somebody? Of course, that's how Charles Spurgeon was saved. Well, you need to read his conversion. It's great. We don't have time for it right now. But it was a snowy night. The preacher didn't show up. And a man got up and read Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. It wasn't because this guy had been to seminary. It was because he delivered the word of God. As we will see, one doesn't have to be an elder to deliver the word of God. <clears throat> Paul commanded Timothy. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. As we will see, this is one of the requirements of an elder. He must be apt to teach. He must have a clear ability and gift. Anybody can stand here, put some verses together, and give what's called a sermon. Just about anybody can do that. But there is a difference between those appointed by God to preach and those who can deliver the word of God to others. What's the difference? It's not their flesh. It's God's appointment. <clears throat> Paul used numbers of laborers with him when he would go out in his apostolic work. And there were many, including women, who were not elders or pastors, but they took the gospel to men and women and children. It isn't that elders and pastors do everything. They have a specific responsibility to the people of God because God gave it. And therefore, he equips them for it. 
Paul also commanded Timothy. Now notice, he commanded him. He's commanding him. He says, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's an authoritative command to Timothy. He was pastoring, or at least, at the very least, overseeing in an apostolic capacity the church at Ephesus. How about that? that who, that's who Paul is talking to in this uh, book of Acts passage. Ephesian elders. Well, no wonder that Paul could say to Timothy, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them for in doing so, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. If you leave this truth, you're not one of God's people. And you must preach these things. You've learned them from me. Preach them that they might be saved. What are we seeing? From God, the great shepherd, through the prophets and shepherds of the Old Testament, a beautiful picture that is brought into clarity in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, the church, and the mission of God. And God promised that in those days, he'd raise up faithful preachers that would preach this word. No wonder Paul could call the church of the living God the pillar and ground of the truth. This is where it's to take place. Now, of course, every dad here can open up the Bible in his home. He can open up and he can read the scriptures to his children. Of course, and you should be doing that. You should be singing hymns and praising the living God in your home. You should be praying, praying with your family, for your family. You should be doing all of that. And certainly, you are at that point a family shepherd. You are spiritually doing what your authority has been given for. If you're not doing that, you are in rebellion to God. The Lord is just pleased to take these weak and feeble vessels and use them for his work. If you read the introduction to our confession, you will hear the men who put our confession together says there's a matter here that we want to address. And he says, we believe very plainly that one of the reasons that society is crumbling around us is because of the lack of family worship. Said that in the 1600s. Well, we have to quit. But I want to bring this at least to this conclusion. Notice that number three is the elders, pastors of congregations as shepherds. From Jesus to the apostles to the pastors of God's congregations, Christ's congregations, the rule and care of Christ's sheep is the heart of advancing the kingdom. 
by the salvation of souls and the spiritual maturing of Christ's sheep. And they're often looked down on the most. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them whatever I've commanded you, and I'm always with you. Whether a a, a pastor is well-known or unknown, whether there's been apparently much fruit or whether there doesn't seem to be any fruit, if God appointed him, he needs to be doing what God has given him to do. And he needs to do it with all his heart to that great and glorious king. He should never be a hireling. He should never be someone who just wants to try something out. And we'll see that later as we get to the qualifications. So in the zeal of many today who want to evangelize the lost, a most noble desire, one command in this commission is often overlooked. They want people to, quote, get saved, close quote. But it says teaching them to observe all things. That's going to be a long evangelistic message if you think you can only do it one time. How is it that we teach them to observe all things? We have to have men who know what the scriptures say and can impart them week after week after week to feed the sheep. We're looking for another man to do that. And we need to be praying that the Lord provides this kind of man. It it is impossible to teach them to observe all things whatsoever Christ has commanded without churches and their under shepherds. There are so many Christians today that think they don't need the church. They are delusional. They have bought a lie from somebody somewhere. Maybe it's just their own flesh. But God puts his churches in the world to feed and encourage his sheep. And he's pleased to use feeble, limited, and sinful human beings to do that. They're called by him, authorized by him. They're given gift in the word and they're sent by him it becomes obvious to a congregation that such a man is in their midst if they themselves are regenerate so we'll stop there we will take up there next week just looking a little bit more at the idea again from Christ to the apostles to the elders of the church. The elders of the church are not apostles in the sense that they are hand-selected by God and are eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus, but they are elders. They're also called pastors. They're also called uh, uh, bishops. It's all the same office. It's just differing aspects of the office. Rule, 
overseer. Feed and provide shepherd. <clears throat> Ruling not according to their will, but according to what Christ has taught us. That being said, my brethren, it's a simply part one. Faithful shepherds feed God's flock. That's what Paul is going to get to in Acts chapter 20. In all the things that he says in that wonderful chapter, and there are many, <clears throat> the very heart and soul of it is to feed the flock of God. To feed the flock of God. I will say to you, brethren, <clears throat> may God give us the holy Spirit wrought intuition and discernment to see who is qualified for such a role. <clears throat> so we need to be thinking very seriously about these matters. They will be authorities, authorities from God. And that's what our nation hates is authority. And you do in your flesh unless you have it. So in our day, let us pray. And I know many of you are in the group that's here this morning. I would say probably most of you are earnestly praying along with me and with others that the Lord will provide us with another man to do such a work. So my brethren, there's a beautiful picture in the old covenant scriptures that comes to light in the new covenant scriptures. And I do pray that that picture becomes plainer and plainer to us as we look at these passages. Why? Because we want to feed the flock of God. We want them to feast on Christ. We want them to see the lamb in his beauty as much as we can in this world. We want them to love him, know him, and bask in his love. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Father, teach us. I thank Thee, even for the overhauling You have done in my own thinking uh, in going back to these passages and going back to these thoughts. Father, I do pray, it is my earnest prayer, that Thou will raise up in this congregation another elder or elders. I pray, O righteous Father, that uh, in every true congregation across the face of this earth, that Thou wouldst protect them from false teachers Protect them from celebrities. Protect them, O righteous Lord, who are just doing a job. And that thy shepherds uh, would be raised up. And that they would preach Christ Jesus to the great delight and feeding of thy people. We pray it all in the name of Christ. Amen. Please stand with me. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Spirit-inspired words, that great shepherd of the sheep. That's the one to whom all earthly shepherds will give account.
that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's go in the name of the Lord Jesus.